Last Sunday, I had the privilege of going to church with my mother, then visiting Ruth Ann's home church last Sunday night. It's good to get away. It's also good to get home. Uh, we enjoyed taking a little R&R, just some time to do nothing, probably literally do a lot of nothing. And that's something that is hard for me to do many times, but very needful in my life as I seek to walk with God, and I think all of us, just to be quiet before God, an opportunity to respond to him. Let's pray together. Father, as we think about reaching non-believers this morning, I want to be sensitive to you, sensitive to unbelievers in our severe of influence, and being used by you to point others to Christ. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. In the process of discussing, striving to reach unbelievers, we have discussed living godly lives, coming from Colossians chapter 4, making the most of every opportunity, being wise in the way we act towards outsiders. We touched in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, make it your ambition to mind your own business, to live quiet lives, to work with your own hands. We discussed 1 Peter chapter 3, where we are to be living in such a way that when people ask a hope of the reason we have, or reason for the hope we have, we can give a response. Then we touched on the gospel. We discussed God. We discussed <clears throat> humans, sin, death, Christ, the cross of Christ, repentance and faith, along with eternal life. This morning we want to think about helping unbelievers to understand the gospel. And a couple of thought questions. Is it wise to just plant a garden in any place? Is it wise just to plant a garden, you know, in any place? Is it wise to talk to computers, to many, not all, individuals in their 80s and 90s? If I sat down and tried to have a conversation with my mother about computers... You know, it would probably fall on empty, an empty mind in relation to computers. Would you try to sell a Lexus to someone who is in poverty? Who do you desire to see come to Christ? Come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. As we think about reaching on believers with the gospel of Christ. We find that unbelievers are not always, always responsive. And that is because unbelievers have something in common. 100% of them. They're spiritually blind. They're in Adam. And they're spiritually dead. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul in the context is discussing the glory of the new covenant, the glory of Christ, in contrast to what was present under Moses, the Mosaic law. Christ is far greater, and at the end of chapter 3, he concluded with saying that we're transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. 
So he says in chapter 4 and verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. That is this ministry of the new covenant, the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 2, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the true truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in God's sight or in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Christ's sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In the context of discussing the glory of the new covenant, the treasures that are in jars of clay because of believers, he mentions the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Also, go to the book, two books before, 2 Corinthians to Romans chapter 5. Not only is there a spiritual blindness, a work of the enemy, we find in Romans chapter 5, as Paul discusses Sin in chapters 1, 2, and 3. He discusses Christ in chapters 3 and 4 and how there can be a relationship with God through Christ and the greatness of reconciliation in verse 11. To amplify that in verse 12 of Romans 5, he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sin. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. And as Adam, or as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Sin entered by one man, death through sin. And so death came upon all men. All humans are in Adam. And because all humans are in Adam, they're dead. They're in sin. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. In the context of discussing all that the believer has in Christ, <clears throat> he reminds the believers in Ephesus, along with us in chapter 2, of where we were. Ephesians chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects 
of wrath. Unbelievers don't seem to grasp the gospel. They're spiritually dead. Paul doesn't stop there. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And he goes on to explain that. But unbelievers, all, including us, before we came to Christ, if you are a believer, spiritually blind, in Adam, spiritually dead. You know, sometimes you talk to a non-believer, talking to one recently, and I thought, I shared about Christ, and I just didn't get it. Blind, in Adam, spiritually dead, and requires a work of the Spirit, which we'll discuss in a little. There's another reason, as it relates to <clears throat> why on believers may not grasp the gospel, it's that the Spirit of God has not convicted Go to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We're dealing with people who are spiritually dead. They're in Adam. They're spiritually blind. And in John 13 through 17, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the time when he will not be on earth. And in the context, he talks about the Spirit being given. John chapter 16 and verse 5. John 16 and verse 5. Jesus is speaking, he says. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But to tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Speaking to his disciples, he's going to send the counselor, the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convince the world, convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And then he goes on to explain how the Spirit would work in their lives. The Spirit of God is required for those who are in spiritual blindness, in Adam, in death, the Spirit of God must convict if they're to come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If the Spirit of God has not convicted they will not grasp what Christ has done. That means the gospel must be shared. Because the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. There's a third reason why unbelievers may not grasp the gospel, and that is what I would call worldview noise. And that varies from one person to another. That is, they live in a world as we live in a world, and they see things much different. You may be talking to someone that is coming from a Mideast background, and you talk to them about Jesus Christ, and they say, oh, Jesus Christ. 
And you're thinking, he is the way to God, and they're thinking, oh, he's another way to God. You may be talking to someone on our valley, and you may say, it's by grace you're saved. And you're thinking, grace that God gives through Christ. And they're thinking, it's the ability that God gives to me to do good works, to earn my way to heaven. See, worldview, what the background is, makes a big, big difference. And then the fact that they're dead in their sins, they're in Adam, has a profound impact. You should have received a handout with a drawing. Nothing sacred about this drawing, just a simple drawing to maybe challenge our thinking as we seek to communicate the gospel of Christ. We have an individual on the left. We'll say that individual is a believer. That individual is desiring to communicate the gospel of Christ. And that individual has an understanding or some understanding of the gospel of Christ. And that's why we discussed God. Why we discussed humans, sin, death, Christ, the cross, repentance, faith and eternal life, so that we are seeking to communicate an accurate message concerning Christ. So as we seek to communicate, we encode the gospel in some form. No, we want to share concerning Christ. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. He used a form of communicating. When he was talking to the woman at the well, he said to the woman at the well, go get your husband. Well, she said, I don't have one. And then later on, he's talked about worship. Talking to a different person. Using a different thing. Thirdly, we're sharing with a non-believer. And fourth, that recipient's worldview is generally different than yours. About a month ago, I was having lunch with a guy, and the issue of living in Luzerne County came up, and the fact that we have some corruption in Luzerne County. And I said to him, or I asked him a question, I said, why do you think we have so much corruption? And he responded. And I came back with another question. I said, do you think it could be because of sin? What am I doing? He's coming from one angle. I'm coming from a different angle. So there's another question I asked. I said to him, do you think you're as sinful as some of these people that are corrupt in our county. Well, I'm pretty good to my neighbor. See, I'm communicating. He's coming from a different angle. The Spirit of God must do a work. The unbeliever then decodes, you know, you know, trying to figure this out. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is thinking, hmm, How do I get back into my mother's womb and be born again? And 
Jesus says, you know, got to be born of the Spirit. You know, continuing to communicate. But Nicodemus was hearing born again as being physically born again. You know, a second time. Jesus goes on to elaborate that he's talking about something different. The accuracy of the decoding will depend on where a person is coming from. Now you can walk around our valley and you will notice by physical appearance that we have more and more people in our valley from a Mideast background. Now you're going to seek to share the gospel with them. My encouragement would be seek to understand the soil. We're sharing concerning Christ. That cannot change. That's not negotiable. But we might want to consider the soil we're sowing on and how to communicate that. So it depends who you're talking to. You might pose a question. Who is Allah? And they may tell you. And then you might say, well, you're talking about Allah, but I'm talking about God. Is your Allah God? And they would say, yes. But describe to me your God. Did your God ever come among humans and sacrifice for sin? See, they're coming from one point. You're coming from another point. The Spirit of God will work as we seek to share, as we seek to communicate the gospel of Christ. The gospel cannot change. It does not change. It's what God uses. But we need to be sensitive as we seek to share with unbelievers, as we seek to communicate the gospel of Christ. My mother had a garden when we were growing up, and we had the joy or responsibility or work, depending on your perspective, of taking care of that many times. You know, pull the weeds and cut the asparagus if we didn't mow it off before it got cut so that we wouldn't have to eat it, you know, and so on. But my mother picked a prime place in the yard for the garden. Why? Because of the soil. When we first moved here over 34 years ago, Someone plowed for a garden, and there was a couple people on the way out from church one Sunday said, Pastor, you may as well give up trying to grow anything there. They knew the soil. I did too. I just gently said, okay. I put leaves on, I put grass on, I didn't use a lot of fertilizer, brought manure in, and just kept building it up. Now I got about eight or ten inches of nice, brown, rich soil on the top. But if I had ignored it, I would have planted a crop and probably got nothing if I ignored the soil. As we think about relating to unbelievers, God gives us the opportunity to relate, but consider the soil. So as we think about believers relating to unbelievers, relate to unbelievers in their world. Love them. 
but relate to them where they are. You're on the job, and they bring something up. Talk to them. Listen to them. Respond to them. But relate to them where they are. Don't expect them to get more holy before you're going to relate to them. Live biblical lives in dependency upon God. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. As we relate to unbelievers, our lifestyle is really important. And as I read Philippians chapter 2 in the context of Paul encouraging the believers in Philippi to be like-minded, to have love for one another, to be one in spirit and purpose and so on. He shares the example of Christ. Christ being willing to take upon himself human form and come to this earth. But let's pick up with Philippians 2 and verse 12. In light of Christ and what he has done in every knee bowing, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, On the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Writing to a body of believers. Work out your salvation. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. So here you are, you go to school and you're sitting in class and the teacher gives you Tons of homework. And after class, you're leaving class and you say to a classmate, boy, that teacher really littered us today. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Mom and dad say, son, daughter, you're to clean your room. Do I have to? Do everything without complaining or arguing. And so happens your friend there is there and hears you. You pull up to the red light, and you're with an unsafe friend, and the light turns green, and the car in front of you sits there, and sits there. And you say, well, I wonder if they're having a bad day, or if it's someone that's a little older, they just don't see the light. Stupid driver! You know, honk the horn and... Do everything without arguing or complaining. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in any crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, as you hold out the gospel of Christ. Just simply live in dependency upon Christ day by day. Share the message of the gospel of Christ. 
It is the power of God unto salvation. I think we need to understand that as we share the message of the gospel of Christ, some people will reject it. That doesn't mean we were not faithful. See, the gospel of Christ is a smell of death to those who are perishing. Because the gospel says you're dead, you're in sin, you're under condemnation. And if the Spirit of God is not convicted, it's a smell of death. You're telling me I'm going to die, I'm going to be separated from God? No, I'm not. God is. I'm just the instrument. Share the message. Well, you say people might not respond. That's not our responsibility. The Spirit of God must convict. But share the message. It's not our good lives. It's not how we live that is going to bring people to Christ. The gospel has got to be shared. And the Spirit of God then convicting. Answer questions. Listen. Ask questions. And so on. Just in day-by-day living. Salvation many times is a process. You know, as we interact with people, someone else interacts with them. Just remember, you're not responsible for results. What's the responsibility of the young believer? To be open to see the impact of the gospel in your life. And again, the Spirit of God must do a work. Unbelievers watch us. They observe us. Paul says in Colossians, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Has an unbeliever ever said to you, I've never heard you complain about anything? Or I hear you complain about. They're observant of how we live. An unbeliever observes that. Open to hearing the verbal message of the gospel. They may not always be open to hearing the verbal message. You may be sowing some seeds. Someone else may be sowing some seeds. And someone somewhere along the line may share the message of the gospel of Christ. But they're being open. And then an acceptance or rejection of the gospel of Christ. John chapter 3. Many times we quote verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the text goes on. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The unbeliever accepts or rejects the message the Holy Spirit comes into play the Holy Spirit convicts the Spirit of God must work if there is to be conviction of sin of righteousness and of judgment the Spirit of God must work We can't make the Spirit of God work 
We are to be faithful in relating to unbelievers. We share the verbal message of the gospel and so on, but the Spirit of God must work. The Spirit of God is the one who gives the second birth. We're born again as used in John chapter 3. The Spirit of God is the one who baptizes into the body of Christ. The one who baptizes into Christ. And the idea of baptism being placed into Christ, being placed into the body of Christ. The Spirit of God is the one who does the work. So as we think about our severe of influence, we relate to unbelievers. Consider the soil. Consider the unbeliever. Where are they at in their thinking? Where are they at in their response? We spent many a days, that is my brothers and I and my dad, picking rocks off the field, preparing the soil. And dad never tried to sow the seed on the stone row. Sowed it in the field. So as we relate to unbelievers, we're seeking to sow soil or sow seed according to the soil. Some soil may be very hard and it is going to be work. The Spirit of God has to do a work as we may befriend, as we share, as we let them see our lives. We talk about Christ and what He has done. Maybe we have to discuss Creator with some people, that God is Creator. But considering where the soil is, sharing, living, and letting the Spirit of God work and draw people to Christ. God gives us the privilege of pointing others to Christ. The Spirit of God is the one who must draw them. Who do you desire to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ? I want you to think about a name or several names of unbelievers that you would like to see come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about several names. Now I'm going to ask for a response. Without waiting for me to recognize you, just say the name of someone you would like to see come to Christ. Just a first name. Let's go. Just speak up. Don't wait on me. who is going to bring them to Christ the spirit of God must work but God wants to use us we're seed sowers let's pray together <clears throat> father Thank you for giving us a relationship with you through Christ. 
And we know that we have the privilege as well as the opportunity of sharing with unbelievers. And sometimes we will have opportunity to verbalize. Sometimes it's answering a question. Sometimes it's coming alongside them with a word of encouragement. Befriending, showing concern, carrying a burden. In the midst of that, Father, we want open doors of opportunity to verbalize the message of the gospel of Christ. We desire for your spirit to work. And in light of those that we would desire to come to Christ, may we be found faithful as we share with them. Allowing your spirit to convict and to draw unto yourself. We want to be faithful, Father. Give us open doors of opportunity to share and the wisdom to recognize open doors that you provide. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.